If you're here, it's because you want to think seriously about your own formation as a kingdom leader. I'm Kevin Minoy, and I invite you to participate in the diverse community of Christian leaders, both anchored and reaching in the work of God. Hang on while we push deep into the crevices of leadership formation, whether as a pastor, educator, organizational leader, or business person. Let's go. Welcome back to this series on generous engagement. I really appreciate the fact that you're taking some time to join me in thinking about this whole idea of engaging people around us and about engaging culture, especially when we think as Christians that our principal responsibility is to be salt and light and to be citizens of the kingdom, but to live within a culture. So obviously the question is, how do we engage that culture as Christians? So in this series, we're talking about being generous or generous engagement. Now, um, in previous episodes in in our times together, uh, I've shared with you this paradigm of anchored and reaching, that is being securely fastened to something that is immutable or unchanging, something that doesn't move with time or circumstance and is rock solid that we anchor ourselves to. Uh, that being the nature of God and the nature of humanity and, and, and so forth. And we've talked about that. But also then reaching into culture to make a difference. And ultimately, our mission is to be both anchored and reaching. And in the nature of the church, in the nature of Christian circles, there are people who tend to focus more on being anchored than on being reaching. And that's important in the life of the church. We need to be anchored and reaching if we're going to fulfill our mission. So I've talked to you about that previously. And in our last episode in this series, the first of this series on generous engagement, I talked with you a little bit about why do we engage, a case for engagement, some of the motivating factors for engaging or coming into contact. How do we connect what the, the, the areas in which we are anchored and how do we connect that with culture to make a difference, you see? And so we've called this generous engagement, and I explained to you some of the motivations for that. And today I want to begin uh, uh, with, with the first of three major reasons or paradigms for that kind of generous engagement, or three principles, shall I say. And I want you to hear the language real carefully because it's not a binary approach to engaging culture. It is more of a continuum. And understand that in these recent days and in the coming decades, we really live in an increasingly pluralistic environment. So the motivation for engagement is really important. So when we think about generous engagement, what I mean by that is that we don't somehow impose on other people against their will or in a way that becomes destructive or that undermines the dignity of another person. That simply is not kingdom. So that's what I mean when I say a generous engagement is an engagement whereby we are going to remain firmly anchored in who we are and yet 
generously engage the context of our place, which may be very different from our own identity. In doing that, as we move into generous engagement, I think you're going to find that we will tend to be more centered than bounded. And that's really the first principle here that I want you to capture and uh, the theme. And in subsequent episodes, we'll talk about two others. We are more centered than bounded. By that, what I mean is that uh, we tend to allow the center of our identity to become the anchor that informs what we do when we engage people, culture, social issues. Now, listen carefully to the language that I'm using because I'm not talking or not saying that we are centered and not bounded. You don't hear me say that these are extreme, binary, mutually exclusive, separate terms. What I'm saying is that we tend to be on a continuum of centered and bounded. We tend to be more centered than bounded. doesn't mean that there isn't a boundary out there. It means that we want to, to focus our sights on who we are, our identity as created by God, as kingdom citizens, as children of God, redeemed by God, sent by God, formed by God, anchored in the truth of our faith in God through Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes people often ask, well, theologically, what does centered mean? Well, uh, there are 2,000 years of church history that are informed and shaped by Scripture and affected by the presence of Jesus Christ and the constancy of the Holy Spirit that have shaped a centeredness about what our Christian faith is. So it's not like we just say we're just centered on the Bible. That's one element of God's uh, expression to us. It's not just to say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that's singularly the fact. No, it is uh, it is a collection of these things which over history, as we look at tradition and as we see experience unfolding and we think reasonably about it with the center and the primacy of scripture informing all of that, that shapes that which centers us. We often call that historic Christian orthodoxy and, and for that we often appeal to the creeds of the early centuries of the church. But just understand that we tend to let our identity be the definition of who we are, and that is our center, our anchor. And then from the strength of that, we then are able to reach into culture to make a difference in the priorities of God of, of bringing new life to people and bringing reconciliation and the restored image of God to people. We tend to do that engagement from a centered posture more than from a bounded position. <laughs> Let me explain what that means because I think you know that it would be easy to define a tree based upon the external look and even the fruit that you see on the end of the branches. But if there isn't a deep and secure center or anchor or trunk or root, the branches of those trees can't reach very far. The deeper the anchor, the deeper the root, the stronger the trunk, the farther it can reach. And so we want to focus on that trunk, on that, that root system. 
Now, there are people, and, and again, it's not better or worse, it's different. There are some people who tend to want to define faith more based upon the boundary. In other words, if you were to take a, 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 on your piece of paper on a whiteboard and we were to draw a circle and we said, everything in this circle is Christian, and then around that edge, around that boundary, around that circle, we were to uh, define it as being certain theological truths and propositions, social positions or positions on social issues, uh, political positions, certain politics, and behavioral expectations. Here's how you should behave. So theology, or what are the propositions that make you a Christian? Um, political positions, you know, you have to hold certain political position in order to really be a Christian. Uh, social positions, you can't believe X, Y, and Z about this social issue and still be a Christian. And behavioral expectations, if you act in a certain way, then you're probably not a Christian, you see. And there are some who will tend to want to define Christian faith more by the perimeter, by the boundary, by that circle, as defined by those four categories of, of, of items. And if you are compliant with all of those, you're inside the circle and you're good. But if you uh, are a little bit rogue on some of those things and your behavior, your theology, your political position, your social is outside of that circle, then you become questionable. And if you are outside of the circle on too many of those things, then the conclusion is that, well, you're, you're really not a Christian. And, and there are some who want to focus on that as the definition of Christian faith. Now, please misunder don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that that is bad. It's different. And there are boundaries to our faith. But the question is, where do we put our eyes and what do we focus on principally? Alternatively, what I'm suggesting to you is that generous engagement will happen not from a bounded set pattern of thinking, but from a centered set pattern of thinking, whereby we anchor ourselves and we focus on what's at the core central part of our Christian faith, of our experience, of our reason, of our thinking, and that we distill from the principles of Scripture as the primary influence on faith and life. Right, the primary authority on faith and life. So we focus on that centered position, and then out of the strength of that center, we are able to reach generously into culture to engage culture wherever that is without fear of somehow being outside the circle. Now, you say to me, but does that mean there are no boundaries? No, there are boundaries, but it's probably more like a dotted line than a, than a, than a hard line boundary. And, and we know that those are there, but we still reach as far out as we can to try to engage culture in understanding who we are as kingdom people in a way that draws them closer and closer to the center you see. So being centered gives us the freedom to be able to reach generously into culture that would be otherwise perhaps uh, not so acceptable. And we can reach generously to engage that culture without compromising the anchor that defines our identity, 
our faith and the strength, the central strength from which we proceed. So we tend to be more centered than bounded when we're thinking about generous engagement. Let me give you a little story as an analogy for what I'm talking about. A number of years ago, I was teaching my daughter how to drive a car, and uh, she was learning how to drive around the streets of our town at the day, in that day. And she was doing pretty well. One day, we woke up and we were going to go out practice driving, and I told her, I said, okay, now we're going to learn to drive on the freeway. And it was like, you know, blood drained from her face, and her knuckles got white, and, and fear just grabbed her heart. I said, it's time to learn how to drive on the freeway. You can't live around here without learning how to drive on the freeway. So we headed out and we went down uh, Archibald Boulevard to get on the 10 freeway. And you know how many times the entrance onto the freeway has a big clover leaf, this long sweeping curve to get on. As we were going around that long curve and she was driving and her knuckles were white. I mean, she had a death grip on that steering wheel because she was scared. I noticed though, as we went around that sweeping clover leaf curve to get on the freeway, that this curve became a series of straight lines punctuated by a jerk. So she'd drive for a few feet straight and then jerk the wheel to bring it back into the center of the lane. And that went on until we finally got on the freeway and I'm scratching my head trying to figure out what in the world is that all about? That is just not a good way to get on the freeway. No child of mine can drive like that because um, I like driving and I like cars and I want my children to as well. So as we're driving on the freeway and she's doing fine, I got to thinking what was going on. As it came time for us to exit the freeway, again, on another clover leaf, long sweeping curve, I had an idea of what was happening. So I told her, I said, okay, Dolly, what I'd like you to do as we get off the freeway on this curve, I want you to fix your eyes on the inside edge of the curve. But dad, if I look there, I'll, I, I, I need to stay away from the outside edge because I don't want to hit the edge. I said, look at the inside edge of the curb. The outside will take care of itself. But dad, I don't want to crash. I don't want to run off the road and, and I need to see. I said, just put your eyes on the inside edge of the curb. Stay close to that. The outside edge will take care of itself. It'll still be there. It's not that it's going to go away, but it'll take care of itself. Well, Obviously, as we went around that curve, it required a lot of reminders, inside edge, inside edge, inside edge. As we're going around, I keep reminding her, she kept her eyes on the inside edge of the curve and it was a smooth curve as you'd ever want to experience. And to this day, she exits the freeway beautifully and goes around curves wonderfully because of where her eyes are fixed. You see, as long as her eyes are fixed on the outside edge of the curve, She's operating from a starting point of fear, fear that I will somehow trespass or step over the line and get into trouble. I have to stay within the lines. The moment she shifted her focus of her driving from the outside edge with a motivation of staying away from that so that I don't crash, now she's focusing on the inside edge saying, I want to stay close. I want to stay close. Now she moved from fear to desire. I want to stay close. And in staying close, 
the freedom to drive suddenly starts to emerge. So from fear to freedom, depending on where, in our, where our eyes are fixed, rather than living our Christian life out of fear of stepping across some line on social positions, political positions, doctrinal positions, or behavioral expectations, rather than engaging culture with the expectation that they must comply with our boundary and stay within if they really want to identify as Christian, perhaps as we engage generously with our culture, we want to invite people to stay close to the inside edge where the freedom begins to mount and the joy of driving begins to become part of our experience. Does that mean the outside edge isn't there? No, it's still there, but we're focusing on who we are, what we're drawn to, the centered thinking of our identity as children of God, kingdom citizens sent by God, to be his salt and light in the world. And when we are secure in that center and we fix our eyes on that as we are going and reaching our culture, our neighborhoods, our, our friends, suddenly freedom comes. Instead of operating out of fear, we're operating out of freedom. And we begin to generously reflect the centered identity of who God is through Jesus, desiring that all be restored in God's own image. Think about this and consider times in your life, perhaps, when you have been bound in the, the fear of non-compliance with expectations and remember the time when maybe then you shifted your focus into a centered pattern of thinking, how the freedom resulted, and how it opened you up to engage with others in a generous, captivating, winsome way that I believe is truly reflective of God's love for the world. I'll look forward to joining you and being with you again in the next episode of Generous Engagement. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.